Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, na'hamaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulih al-kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I hope not too many of you logged in yesterday uh, when we didn't have class. And if you did, I apologize for the confusion. Um, let us pick up where we left off. And hopefully you're all having a wonderful time fasting. The fastification. And once again, let me know if you can see the screen. Excellent. So, so this class, of course, is the is the Al Fatiha uh, class, and then getting when we get to it into uh, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. So, where we left off, we are looking at Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. That Alhamdulillah is oh, mashallah, look at the little man. Look at little tiny baby, Ilyas. Aslam alaikum, Ilyas. How are you, Ilyas? Everybody wave to Ilyas. <laughs> Very nice, mashallah. So, speaking of alhamdulillah, yeah, and so we were uh, we were looking at the definitions of alhamdulillah, praise and gratitude are due to Allah. But the fundamental reason uh, for giving praise and gratitude to Allah is simply because he is Allah. And then Rabbil Alameen, that he is the one who takes you from immaturity to maturity according to your unique design. And that's the meaning of Rabb. And I simplified it with nourisher. And then Neela first suggested nurturer, which she says she got from me also, which I don't remember, but nurturer also works. And then of all the worlds here, in our modern sense, we might think of of the all the different planets and galaxies. Historically, it was understood as all the different uh, worlds of knowledge, all the different dimensions of reality and such. And then from there, I suggested also when you think of using bad words, see if you can replace them with praises of Allah. It takes effort, but it can be done. So Alhamdulillah, praise and gratitude are due to Allah, generally stated on good news, subhanAllah, that Allah, whatever is the highest, that is where Allah is. Thus, we often say glory to Allah. And there uh, is often an expression when you hear bad news. Allahu Akbar is general, but often when you hear horrendous news. And then la hawla wa la illa billah is when you hear horribly bad news. So, but all these are interchangeable. If you say Allahu Akbar every time, that's also good. What you might want to try at some point is... If you're on a plane and they don't give you enough peanuts, uh, stand up on your chair and shout Allahu Akbar as a technique to see if you get some more peanuts. Just let me know what happens. <laughs> Just We can see. All righty. And so thus what we have covered so far of the surah is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. And the point being that the descriptions of Allah are overwhelmingly positive and positive Obviously, everything about Allah is positive. The point here is that the descriptions of Allah are are overwhelmingly nice. And where we were finishing off is that just about everything else in the Quran, you get the 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 happy uh, balanced with the scary. Every time you have paradise, you'll have hell or vice versa. Or every time you have date, you'll have night. Uh, except in the depictions of the attributes of Allah, there they are overwhelmingly positive okay uh awesome says fox news will tell you what happens all oh, regarding saying allah akbar that reminds me of a, a story a student here 
interviewed a bunch of us about about Ramadan on campus. This is like five years ago. And somebody said, you know, uh, one Muslim student said, I wish that they did more to observe Ramadan on campus. And then someone else said, uh, we will do more. And then Fox News picked up that story from the school newspaper saying that Loyola is shifting to more focus on Islam than on Christianity. No joke. And then and then Loyola started getting a whole bunch of communications from alumni. What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. So based on that, I highly encourage you to walk around and say Allahu Akbar any chance you can, you know, no matter where you are, on a plane, in a cab, on the street, getting arrested, whatever the case may be, just keep saying Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Having said all that, uh, continuing into the next ayahs. So here we have Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim again. So Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And then again, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Whoops. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So simple question for which there are multiple answers. What is the effect of the repetition? Bismillah, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. What would be possible effects of the repetition? Any thoughts? Awesome. Uh, I think Nadia got there before me, but also in um, these cases, we are talking like the, the, the thing about overwhelmingly sort of showering you with the attributes of Allah so that you, you the, the, the start of your relationship with Allah through his book is a positive one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So it's even like emphasis upon emphasis. And this becomes uh, especially important because the formula in terms of consciousness is that what you, how you perceive a law, number one, is your choice. Whatever each and every one of us in this room, in this class, are thinking of a law is whether or not we realize it, it's a choice we've made including how do we regard Allah in terms of niceness, difficulty, uh, approval of us, disapproval of us. That is a choice we're making, as well as the location of Allah is a choice we're making. But how you perceive of Allah is then going to inform how you perceive what happens to you in life. So if you perceive Allah truly in your heart, as pouring mercy on you, then when you get hit with struggle, it's still going to hurt, but you're going to think, oh, this could have been so much worse. And so many of my, many of my, you know, students who enter this office right behind me will say, okay, you know, Allah is angry with me. Why? Just because he is, just because I'm a horrible person. And if that becomes your default on how you perceive of Allah, you're going to perceive what happens to you in life as the result of Allah's wrath on you. Or a lot of students feel that, okay, Allah doesn't care about me. Likewise, then you're going to perceive what happens to you in life as just arbitrary, as purposeless. And so to Mustafa's question, can it be said that repetition makes it easier easier for us to remember? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the redundancy fits into this notion that humans are innately forgetful. And so, so 
the basic point being that whatever you truly feel about Allah in your heart right now, number one, you've constructed it. You may not realize how much you've constructed it, but you've constructed it. You may blame it on Sunday school or whatever else you've read, but it's a choice you've made, which then means it is a choice to change it. Okay. Likewise, where you perceive Allah is. So if I ask each and every one of you to imagine right now you're making a dua to Allah, where are you imagining Allah to be? So Donna, you're smiling. Like, uh, Please share with us what brings you such joy. Last year, um, you gave us the same prompt. And I remember I was, you you um, started off with the same kind of discussion before that you get to choose. You make, you are, make that willful decision of where Allah is mm -hmm. in relationship to subhanAllah. It, it still blows my mind. So I'm just. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mashallah. So like Bilal, for example, for whatever you want to share, when you're making dua to Allah, let's say you're imagining, Ya Allah, please make me as cool as Omar Chacha. Like uh, where are you imagining Allah when you make that prayer? Is he, is Allah in front of you? Is he above you? Is he far away? Is he below? Like, what do you think? So yeah, when, not if I do that, I imagine yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, I, I try to like face, I, there's like no logic to this, I don't think, but like I try to, uh, like if I'm like facing the Qibla, then I imagine like God is like not only like above me, but then also like in that direction. There's, okay. That's just like what I. Yeah. And, and so the point is somewhere in terms of how you were taught and how you imagine things, that was your construction. So how about? Uh, imagine like, let's say, I mean, you were literally in front of the Qibla not too long ago, mashallah. So you're making dua to Allah. Where are you imagining Allah to be in relation to you when you're making this dua? Um, typically, I imagine him to be like above me. Okay, like how far above? Like right here? Like my height? Like in, like in the skies. In the sky. And yeah. then when you're, when you're picturing Allah in the sky, is like sunlight beaming down on you or anything or? No, I just, I don't know. I feel like it's above me, but it's also all around me. So okay. like, typically I'm like looking down like at the ground, but like I just feel the presence around me. Okay, okay, nice. Mustafa, what do you think? <laughs> when you are making dua to Allah, where are you imagining Allah? Um, I mean, I believe he is above everything. So I yeah. always imagine above me, but then again, that kind of... Uh, conflicts with my understanding of uh, three-dimensional space because okay. it's arbitrary in space in sure. the universe, so but i still feel like god is above all of that so the okay. only way i can process above is by up so that's what i imagine but okay fair enough fair enough literally and so for all of you who are imagining allah to be above how easy or hard is it to imagine allah is right in front of you Awesome. I'll let the question you just asked get answered first. Okay. Any thoughts? So if I'm suggesting, uh, I think it makes sense to all of us that you would imagine Allah to be above, because that's just what we associate with greatness and such. Does it diminish Allah's greatness if you imagine Allah right in front of you? Especially when you're making dua. I don't think it diminishes. I think if anything it like expands upon it just because it just shows that like 
he's like omnipresent you know so okay. like can be like anywhere at any given time no matter what okay okay very good uh nadia so i think i'm i don't know if i'm the only one but i don't picture allah anywhere up high now i'm worried because it seems um but the means i don't know the translation of that <laughs> <laughs> hey, Asim, well, how'd you translate Batamese into English? Yeah, Asim, well, do. My parents would just say Omar Muzaffar, but I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> literal translation of Batamese is poor manners. Poor okay. manners and Batamese is poor manners. <laughs> so I always, you know, there's a verse that says Allah is as close to you as your jugular. Yeah. I always imagine, like, not inside my head, but when I, you know, you can feel like the blood in your vein right here. I always imagine Allah. So you, you picture Allah like, right here. Than me, and so now I'm worried, yeah. but. No, that's. Uh, I, don't, I don't imagine. I, I imagine something very close, like okay. very. Close. All right, Asif. Yeah, so I don't. Um, I don't have a a, a picturing. Um, yeah. Of physical sort of like relativity, I have a um a, a feeling of a sensation. Okay. Um, which is a uh, a sort of like um, there's an eye in the Quran that talks about the sort of like you know when when uh the sort of like the righteous or the believers hear. Uh, the Quran, then they're sort of like their skin trembles. Okay. Um, and and for me, it's that, but on an external plus internal level, if that okay. makes sense. So it's, sure. it's not actually a, a physical kind of like relative. Fair enough. Okay. All right. And your thoughts, reflections? Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was going to go in a similar di direction to what Nadia said, actually, <laughs> which was that I, the way I imagine Allah while I'm praying is similar to the way uh, the Hadith of Jibril is described, where he came in and sat like knee to knee with the Prophet and put his hands on the Prophet's uh, okay. legs. That's how I imagine it. So you imagine Allah in the way Jibril salam, was with the Prophet, peace be upon him. Correct. I mean, right. I, I, it's, again, probably a little bit, but the face, but... Sorry, my... <laughs> My wife just came home, so my dog's freaking out. Um, it's it's probably a little bit, but the me's, but like the the like I think that the idea of a being coming to you from above is a thing that exists in our tradition already, and so I I mean this it took a lot of work to get here, yeah. many of which is is rooted in conversations with you, but sure. uh, that's how I imagine it. Okay. Okay. Uh, just for everyone's reference, uh, I just posted the word Batamese so you know how to spell it. You know, if you have curiosity, Sadia. Um. So, I have never imagined. I mean, in my dua, that he's. I shouldn't say never, but when I'm on the prayer rug, he's always in front of me. Okay. Like, right in front, like accessible not even an arm's length but very very close okay. and but when i'm making dua like in my heart and not really even saying anything or you know walking here and there whatever i'm doing then i feel that he's either in my heart or i'm wrapped by him okay so okay, as if enough. like yeah it's like i'm walking with him wrapped wrapped all around me so i just i i feel very uh feel a sense of protectiveness in that okay yeah all right very nice and i don't think that you i don't think that you <laughs> spell the word but the correctly <laughs> oh yeah you can, you can correct the spelling i agree with that 
I will do that. Yeah, please do so. Yeah. All right. So it was about the knees spelling about the knees. Okay. So, all right, let's change it from location uh, to if we, if we make the default experience that you have with a law, one that he is all hearing. So shifting from location to hearing everything how does that affect your interaction with Allah in terms of dua what do you think Danya what do you think do you know those like um sensory rooms where they like completely knock out any sort of sound and it's like they're entirely black sometimes they have you like submerged in water so you're floating do you know what I'm talking about it sounds like the exact opposite of a classroom with undergrads, but please continue. Yeah. 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 But I, I imagine that's the kind of feeling that like um, out of body kind of like experience, maybe that mm-hmm. like Allah is, you know, there with you hearing everything, like almost, I don't want to say like a part of you, but you know, they're with you experiencing everything with you okay all right and your thoughts how about what do you think why are you calling on me literally what i was just thinking um i don't know i I feel like knowing that he's all hearing is a little bit more like i guess calming in a sense like knowing that whatever it was i feel like a lot of times when i'm making dua i feel like i'm not heard or just like I don't know. It feels insignificant. And knowing that he's all hearing allows me to know that at least someone, like someone is here listening to me. So. Okay. Good. Very good. Mustafa. Um, so I feel like there's an aspect to of it that's like accessibility that you don't need to be anywhere in order to speak to God, to make dua, to worship mm-hmm. God. You can do it from mm-hmm. just anywhere. I think one should be respectful though and be mindful of where one is because like you wouldn't want to do it from an unclean place for example sure Um, Sure. like outside of that there's no restriction on where you can worship where you can okay make do i call on god etc all right now what if we had another uh, dimension think of allah as all hearing but one who debases Muzil. How does that affect you? Muzil is the same word that in Urdu Zalil comes from. So I mean, so if you've been called Batamese, you've been probably called Zalil too. So so uh the one who debases and is hearing, how does that affect your interaction with Allah? What do you think? Dabish, what do you think? Um, can you repeat the question again? I'm sorry, I didn't catch so, exactly the context. So basically we're saying when you are, for example, making dua to Allah, we're imagining that he is all hearing. Okay, and we're imagining that he is the one who debases, meaning he brings you down forcefully. Mm-hmm. Now try to imagine making dua. What is the the feeling or the sentiment 
in that scenario? Um, I kind of relate uh, to what the brother just mentioned uh, slightly in the sense that like, I've never felt, or at least as I've gotten older, that like the context of making supplication to God really requires me to always have to have my hands lifted. Perhaps I'm I'm on the L and I'm having a really tough day and maybe I can just make a small supplication within my own uh, whispers. Um, Or even in the debasing aspect, when you say that, I kind of think back to like uh, when we do like uh, prostration, uh, Mm -hmm. why can't it, I guess perhaps liking the school of Medina and (laughs) school of thought, uh, like the concept of being able to make a supplication, even during sajda, which feels incredibly amazing at times sure. uh, so that's kind of what comes to mind all right uh mustafa will you raise your hand i mean i was thinking about the meaning of uh dul or vella which like lends itself to weakness and submission which mm-hmm. like in many ways that is the nature of our relationship with god okay as muslims we have submitted to him like we are like weak in the sense that we do need god and life in general so i i feel like it's the natural Uh things sure makes sense there's no shame in it really sure Sure. this is a point uh for for many of you to consider if you haven't done so uh in some cases when you're making the atua law and you feel that in this moment you have no power then express that to Allah Ya Allah in this situation I have no power you have all the power I'll give you a scenario some of you probably heard this from me a bunch of times uh one time <clears throat> 10 years ago I don't know why it matters but uh um I got a speeding ticket which is funny because my family was mixed funny because of how slow I drive and then within a month I got another speeding ticket uh and uh on camera like there's a photo where i'm also on my cell phone okay this is right when those the laws you know you started getting uh uh put into place regarding you know outlawing cell phone usage while you're driving but two speeding tickets in about a month and the fine was going to be insanely large uh, for the first ticket, I had to go through traffic school, but for the second, because it was in such a fast period of time, I was doomed. Okay. And then I'm going to court and literally the whole time saying, Ya Allah, I have no power here. You have all the power. There's literally nothing in that scenario that I could possibly do. Okay. And so then, you know, next person's going, next person's going, next person's going. And, and now finally it's my turn the whole time I keep saying, you know, yeah, Allah, I have no power here. You have all power. And so then they pull up my, my ticket and there's something stapled to it. Uh, there was something wrong with the photo and there was something wrong with the ticket. And the attorney who is acting on my behalf with the judge says, you know, request SOL and, you know, from Chicago, SOL means something. And I forgot what it meant in court, but basically he was requesting for the ticket to be thrown out. And, and the judge says, you know, whatever agreed and then hits his gavel. And then I go, is that it? And the judge says, yeah, it says, yeah, go home. It's like, wow, that was it. And then literally there, he's telling me to go away, but nothing. I didn't get charged anything. The ticket got dropped. 
Will this happen to you if you do the same thing? Allah knows best, but the point is that there are many times when you are in a position of utter powerlessness, not just weakness, and appreciate that and express that in your dua to Allah as a statement of sincerity. Uh, Asif, you've been waiting for a long time. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Is that Ramya? Oh, mashallah, mashallah. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah we're a thing. Um, oh, so <laughs> even nicer, mashallah. I never would have guessed. <laughs> um, I've, I'm thinking about this. Uh, this kind of like bringing together a Sami al Mudhil um, as a notion because I've recently been thinking about the idea of of being um, of being like a piece of iron. Um, and a dua that I've recently been doing is for Allah to forge me into whatever it is that I need to be forged into. And what is what's a, what's about that is I kind of I'm I'm feeling this sort of like of of being tied here is that like you know anybody who's an artist will know that that like or like you know people who have worked with like materials right will know that if they're working as an artist they'll often feel that something is in that material that needs to come out and it needs and and the artist's job is often to like hear or see what is in that material mm -hmm. in order to be able to bring it out so with mm -hmm. that kind of idea right like allah is like hearing what is within me in order to bring that out and he is doing so by like humbling me by literally a sort of like you know in certain instances kind of like forging me kind mm -hmm. of like putting me into a particular kind of like fire sort of like you know mm -hmm. hammering for certain aspects out of me that are not going to sort of serve the best version of myself so mm -hmm. I, this is this is kind of what I, something that i'm thinking about in relation to these two uh, qualities oh very nice and so so here i'm thinking of the attribute of al-musawwir in terms of the realm of some of the sufis it's a difference between being raw and then getting cooked that's a language that would often be used, that you're coming in as the new student raw, and then it is on the teacher to cook you, which is doing exactly what you're saying, like to form you and such. Yeah, yeah wonderful. Okay, let's add a, a couple more attributes in our reflection. What if we are thinking of Allah as all-seeing? So you're making dua to Allah with the consciousness that he is seeing everything about you, everything within you, and he is master. How does that affect your dua? Dania, what do you think? Um, Al-Basir kind of, I have like the same feelings of like Al-Samiya, um, but Al-Malik is, is, is special, I think. It's, it's a different... Um, kind of relationship it's it's more i would say like it falls under um al model more so like you're you're submitting you are like willfully submitting it's like your master um mm -hmm. there's a very distinct like relationship i think that's separate than other relationships all right Bilal, what do you think um can you give the translation for basir again please so basir is basically all seeing Okay. And the mother yeah. could be like master. Yeah. Um for me, Basir, I I do like I do see the same kind of like connection with Asami as well. But um, and maybe this is just because like I learn visually like um in general, but I feel like it's even like more personal because like sometimes you know you can like hear about something like through like 
like not like a voicemail or something like that but if you're like actually like looking at someone like who's like going to you and they're like crying and things like that it just feels like a lot more personal mm-hmm. um and then yeah i also would just like reiterate what was said about the like willful submission as well you're just kind mm-hmm. of like understanding that some things can be like out of your control but in a way that's good it provides like comfort because it's like up to someone else that's a lot that's just you know way beyond you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so having said that what if you are making dua to Allah and you are your interaction with Allah is as though Allah is pouring rahma upon you generally in the way he does to everyone and pouring rahma upon you uniquely, specifically designed for you. Now imagine that experience of dua. Nadia, what do you think? Oh, you're on mute. I mean, that's kind of what we think now, right? Because that's, those are the two attributes that are mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh. it's more um, intimate, I would say. Like there's a more of a closeness. Mm-hmm. You can probably ask for more. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, then like all seeing and master. I don't know Arabic, so I don't yeah. get the words um, like Dania does, but. Uh, Ifat, what do you think? Are you like at a red light or something? You're on mute anyway. I don't know if you're speaking. I'm on mute. <laughs> uh, she may or may not be speaking with us. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. She's speaking to... <laughs> She's trying to unmute. Also... <laughs> I know, right? All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe just focus on driving. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. We can okay. hear you. What I was gonna say is that um I think that like when you when you think about it, right? Um Allah is only gonna do good for us. And when you start thinking about things that way, you're kind of like, okay, this is like what I want, you know. I'm like afraid that what's good for me is not what I'm asking for. Sure. That situation let my heart be content with whatever it is that you decide because I know it's best for me. So it's like this, you know, like, okay, like recently, like um, I had a family member who um, we got a diagnosis and it was like, like, if we don't do anything about this in two years, it's like a spiraling and then it's like done. Like we're Mm. done and we're done. We're never going to see him again, you know? And no, it's like, I like, oh my goodness. Like, I was every day I'm like praying. I'm like, Allah, like, I can't even comprehend this. Like I need you to do something. And I'm asking you for a miracle here, you know? And at the same time, I just couldn't, but I'm like, I know that whatever you do is going to be good, but I don't want the other outcome, you know? So, so it's like, I know that it's going to be good regardless. Mm -hmm. So there's peace that I have in my heart that I'm asking him for what I want, but I'm also asking him that if that's not what you want for me, let me love what you want for me and let me embrace. And I always pray this, like, I want to accept your will as if I asked you for it. And then you gave it to me. Like, I want to, like, this is what I want for myself. This you're giving me what I asked you. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that the miracle of um, how Allah works is that, you know, he changes your heart Mm -hmm. and it's like, 
it's like, oh my God, how could I have felt any other way? Like, what was that like? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Very nice. Awesome. Um, I think also if, for me, if I'm making dua with the the idea of al-Rahman, al-Rahim in mind, then um, it means that every dua, regardless of what the result of the dua is, every result is a mercy. Mm-hmm. And so the duas that are answered are a mercy, and then the duas that are not answered are also a mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's it's a really interesting way to see the world. Mm-hmm. That is the level that we want to get to. Inshallah. Now, inshallah. So finishing off, two things to consider. When we speak of the attributes of Allah, usually we think of them as uh, facets, for lack of a better term, but basically attributes of Allah. Like, this is what Allah's personality is. And that is not wrong, but that is often limiting Allah. So imagine when we're speaking of the attributes of Allah, think of them as relationships that Allah has with us. And then... If you can internalize that, then think of them as promises that Allah is giving. And so on this note, for your own reflection, if you dig deep, maybe for some of you not as deep, for all of you very deep, uh, there's some prayers that you make that seem like they never get answered. And that is also included in the promises when we go through all the attributes of Allah. And so even before getting to the point where you truly see everything as mercy, because what are we saying about Allah's mercy? Imagine the the scenario of a person walking through the desert completely dry, you know, hasn't had anything to drink for a while. And the next thing, you know, they find themselves in the middle of a waterfall and a refreshing, cool waterfall. The mercy that Allah pours upon us, the rahmah that Allah pours upon us is far greater than what that person is experiencing. The mercy that Allah pours upon us at any moment, including right now, is far greater than that, whether I recognize it or not. But there are some things that I want, some things that I seek for which it seems like Allah is giving me everything else except for this one thing. And this one thing is a thing that's breaking me. And so explore that in relationship to these attributes of Allah. And so the question I'm going to leave you with, which which we're going to start tomorrow, inshallah, is, is this world fair? Yes, no, why, why not? We're not going to answer that right now. But we're speaking so much of Allah's mercy. Literally, we had four literal mentions of his mercy. Bismillah, ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim, ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim. But even Rabbil Alameen is his nourishment. Okay? And Alhamdulillah, 
is also speaking of his wonderfulness. Okay. But how do we reconcile the doom or the destruction or the suffering that we have uh, in this world? Okay. That we will discuss, inshallah, tomorrow. Let me quickly look at some of these, uh, the questions that have been posted. So Asif asked, oh, Asim asked, is there an argument for Allah being stationary all around us? At all times, when we pray, we take down all the barriers between us and Allah. And then when we sin, we build up barriers between us. Okay, kind of, yeah, I would probably change the wording, but yes. That we have narrations that basically when you're in the act of sin, your iman leaves you. And does not return to you until you end the sin and or you seek forgiveness. So, so kind of parallel with what you're saying here. I'm just caution of saying things about Allah like stationary and such, right? But I think it's a similar point to what you're saying. How would you differ between Malik and Al-Mawla? And Mustafa is saying Malika, which is owned or owner. And then uh, and then Mawla is Wala. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, I would agree with all that, inshallah. Yeah. Mawlana is a fun term because uh, Mawlana can mean our master, but it can also mean our servant. And so I'll have students that call me Molana, and they're doing it to make fun of me, right? Because they know exactly these dimensions. Like, it sounds like a compliment, but you're actually my servant, bro. Okay, having said that, we will stop right here, and then we will continue, uh, inshallah, tomorrow. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, and... May Allah tell everyone you all, and it's good to see so many cameras on. Those of you who don't have your cameras on, alhamdulillah, it's all good. Just as long as I have enough people to stare at and gawk at while I'm pretending to teach. Okay. <laughs> Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.